sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You join me for the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors, when I am joined by Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJ Bell. We're going to look at the world of investment from a UK perspective. I suppose we've got to at least start by discussing the fact that the MPC have yet again raised um, interest rates. Were you surprised? Twelfth in a row, I think somebody told me. No surprise. No. At four and a quarter percent, that was exactly what was expected. Four and a quarter to four and a half, that's exactly what was expected. And the vote seven two exactly the same as last time, same as last time, so, last time yes but yes, of course inflation's so, nothing to do with the bank of england and the mpc at all no and it's, it's still running at 10 plus and although you, this is the highest that rates have been since 2008 if you're being ruthless about it all they're doing is making policy less accommodative because real interest rates are negative owing to where inflation is so this is not tight monetary policy i know it's not funny for anybody if you've taken out a large mortgage that you know, and you mm. can see your, your, your bills there going up. But ladies and gentlemen, this is not tight monetary policy. The last time inflation was in double digits, so were interest rates. Now, mm. we know that the Bank of England won't want to put them there for just for the reasons we've discussed, the pain it would cause upon the British consumer and to degree the British corporation, not to mention her Majesty's his Majesty's government, would be absolutely terrible. Because every one percentage point in interest rates is twenty-five billion pounds in interest on the national debt. So if you take it from four and a half to ten, say the interest mm. rate, you're costing His Majesty's government umpteen billion pounds, which they simply mm. don't have. So at some stage, they either have to get the prema out and hope that inflation starts coming down. And Sainsbury's doing things like cutting the price of own brand bread and butter is, you know, a welcome bit of solace for everybody on that front. But they could really do with the oil price to come down a lot more. But I think the problem that you've got is that it's it, it's now embedded in services. And if you look at the US, where there was a lot of clapping about inflation going below 5% mm. this week, the core number is still at about 55 and hasn't changed for six months. So mm. it, it is starting to feel a bit sticky. And it's not just about commodities. It is now about services and people's expectations and wage growth and it's all of those things. Two years. Really, really is difficult. it two years ago we've been told by the Governor of the Bank of England it was all completely transitory and we yeah, shouldn't that's un- Which is why I think they will keep pushing because it's human nature. Once you've got something wrong one way, you tend to kind of overcompensate on like the other. Like politicians, yeah. Yeah, and it's a, it's a monetary policy is a fairly blunt instrument. Uh, it, takes time, it takes time to act with a lag of 18 to 24 months, so we're just starting to feel the bite now potentially. But ultimately policy still actually pretty accommodative unless inflation comes rattling down pretty quickly yeah. and the I know the base been... for comp is, is tougher so it'll help but there is yeah. it's just feel like it's a bit sticky at the minute and the monetarists have been pointing out that there's been a collapse of money supply states europe and here and they're terribly worried that racketing up interest rates is actually going to uh, create a recession you, which is you why have... you have the two dissenters and then yeah. the last i haven't had time to read the full statement today but then the last statement they were very, very forthright about the dangers of that. Um, and so th- this is it. You, we, we genuinely don't know. I, I suspect that, you know, that, that it, it, it's optically looking like the right thing, given that they made a mess of it. But yeah, mm. as we know from the history of central banks, they tend to push rates up until something breaks. Um, and, and, and that's probably what's going to happen this time, I suspect. Despite the two dissenting votes, I mean, there's quite a lot of talk about how the members of the MPC seem to come from the same sort of talent pool the whole time and that they're therefore guilty of groupthink. Do you think they should be seeking members more widely or, or not? 
I think economists, in, I mean, you know, you can say that, I mean, financial markets are very hard, right? I spent, I spent a long time as an analyst and as a fund manager and now a, com- and now a commentator and nobody sets out to be part of the consensus, right? You all think, oh, I'm going to come up mm. with a really clever idea and, yes. and come out with it and print it and then blow me down. Eight other people have the same idea and you're the consensus. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not really what anybody sets out to achieve. Everybody thinks that they're thinking out of the box and being challenging and, and, it, and it shows how hard it is. But I, I think some of the, at the moment, some of the things that have been written by leading economists, even Nobel Prize winning ones mm. like Ben S. Bernanke, you do get the feeling that some of the things that have been written aren't necessarily going to be treated that kindly by history. If things stay as they are for much longer, no. Okay, Russ, let's pause and then we will change topic. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors on Share Radio, where I'm talking to Russ Mould of Asia Bell. I think you want to talk about share buybacks. Now, am I right in thinking, well, I don't remember these when I was much younger. This is one of those American inventions that sort of come over here, or have I got the wrong end of the stick? They were illegal in America until 1982. They were outlawed as stock and share price manipulation by the Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, And that was that dates back to the 1920s and 30s. Um, and so there was that, you know, this is one of the, I, I guess, a, a, an example of, of deregulation. Some people love them. Some people really don't like them. Perhaps you um, should explain think, what they are. Yeah, very simply, a, a company goes into the open stock market and buys back its shares and, and cancels them. So if you do not, and, and from a private investor's perspective, it's very hard to get involved in the program. Hmm. Get your hands on the lolly because they tend to do it for the institutions because it's quick, easy, and very straightforward. The, the idea being that, that if a company keeps making the same amount of money and there are fewer shares, that as a shareholder, you're, you're yeah. getting a bigger sense of the share of the pie. You, Is that right? You are getting a bit, you own a bigger share of the assets, you own a bigger share of the cash flow, you therefore get a bigger share of the dividends. And, and a, you know, a, a, and that is, and Buffett is actually intriguingly a, a big fan uh, mm-hmm. because his stake in companies like Coca Cola has been, and Apple has been enhanced by share buybacks because he doesn't tender his stock. So he just lets his stake grow over time and he gets a bigger slice mm. of the pie. And, and that is the argument in favor of them. Another argument is that when interest rates were at zero, and I stress when interest rates were at zero and cash was earning nothing, companies, you know, if they didn't know what to do with the money, well, you don't want them doing a silly acquisition. People that weren't sure about was it the right time to add loads of capacity, give it back to us and we'll decide what to do with it. It can be tax efficient in the UK, let's face it. This is treated as a capital gain, not as it a buyback. It's treated as a capital gain, not income, potentially. So again, there's a, there's a, there's a tax angle there. Your mm. stake goes up. And in theory, this is the management team signaling to you, our, we think our shares are undervalued, dear investor. And you know you really should be paying attention here because we think this is a good use of our money. And yet now, I've just been I've reading something this... you wrote saying that most companies actually, if they believe that, why is it they're normally doing share backs when the price is going up rather than when the price yeah, of the share well, is going down? This is the tricky thing. And also, I've been doing this for 30 odd years. I've never met a CEO yet who told me their shares were overvalued. <laughs> not, not one. So I, I will always treat the source there with a certain degree of, 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 of scepticism. Um, so yeah, they, they, unfortunately, because if you think about it, when a company is most likely to have surplus cash, when the economy is going well, when profits are going really well, when cash flow is really strong and everything's going hunky-dory. And therefore, on balance, that's likely to be when your share price has done well and is near a high. And that's why you saw peaks in buybacks in 2007 and 2018. You saw a trough in buybacks in 2008-9 
when share prices were absolutely flat on their backside. Nobody bought back a bean because mm. they were all terrified. Um, you do question the objectivity of this, well, our shares are undervalued thing. There is the nagging concern that in the cases where management teams' bonuses are triggered by earnings per share, it's tempting mm. to gerrymander the, num the numbers, as we've just discussed, you can. And in some egregious examples, some companies have even been dumb enough to do the share buybacks with debt, which looked really clever from a financial engineering point of view when interest rates were at zero, but now looks really pretty stupid when interest rates were at 5% or whatever. And some very, very advanced practitioners of this, like Intel and General Electric, have now found themselves in an absolute tangle and their share prices have collapsed because they've underinvested in the business and over-financial engineered and over-leveraged themselves. So the, the simple rule with, 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 with buybacks are, is the company paying all of its bills? Is it investing properly? Is it defending its competitive position? And then does it have some left? Fine, have a look at a buyback. Mm. If does a buyback then, but then it's where do the where do the shares stand relative on a valuation basis? Let's face it, lots of companies out there, and Next is a shining exception. Lots of companies out there buy their shares back in a year, whether they're three quid or six quid. What investor would do that? I mean, people would, you know, if a professional fund manager was doing that, they'd be hung out to drive having mm. no process and just scattergunning people's money around. Next says we, we apply a strict internal rate of return calculation. If it doesn't exceed our pre-tax return on capital, we're not doing them. And that's basically then all based on where the share price is. It's simples. Everyone knows exactly where they stand. The danger is lots of companies just spray money around like it's tea towels and they buy the shares back at any old price. And that, as we know, is not going to work from a return on investment portfolio basis and won't work from a buyback basis either. So you need to take buybacks very much case by case. Thank you. Pinches of salt probably needed. Yeah. And, and at the moment, we've got about 31 billion declared from the FTSE 100 this year, which is, um, and that compares to 84 billion pounds of forecast dividends. So it's, it's a big uplift. Um, right. you know, we've got a yield of, of for, for that's for next year, sorry, uh, for this year. So you've got a yield of about 4%. With another, you know, one and a half percent on top kind of thing. So it, it, it can enhance the overall cash yield of the FTSE. The tricky bit for retail investors is they probably don't get the buyback money, but they do get an enhanced stake in the company. Russ, thank you very much. Fascinating as ever. That's Russ Mould, who's hair your title, investment director at AJL. And he'll be back with me again in a fortnight's time. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.